How cool is that? Yeah, it's okay. You're like. So not, not everyone is in on this. And so I, let, me, let me make sure that we're all very like in on this because this is a big deal. So uh, when, when our students, uh, every summer they'll go to camp or a mission trip, things like that, where we, it, it can be all over. But typically the, the normal approach to that is you, you do fundraisers, right? Fundraisers nowadays all the time. Like I just bought a turtle cheesecake from one of our kids. I don't even eat cheesecake, but it's like, you know, you open up the magazine. What do you want? I want to support. And they're just doing fundraiser. Then, then there's another fundraiser for football. And it's like, okay, man alive. Can we, can we do it cheaper? Can I just like skip the things and just give you the money? And that idea, listen, that idea was like, why don't we do that as a church? Instead of having kids sell cookie dough or, or donuts, which would be fantastic, if you look at the intentions of these, these teenagers, that they're going to go to camp to, to learn about Jesus, to connect with some great people, have like awesome. How about we not make them sell stuff to get to that? Like, because they're already selling a bunch of other stuff elsewhere for other things. So here's what we do. If you missed out, like, I, like one time I went up like this. Hey, everybody. I didn't say it like that, but hey, everybody. Uh, we're going to create a scholarship fund for any student who wants to go to camp or miss his trip. If you want to, you can give towards it. And you were like, cool, here's $44,000. What? Yes. So. So every. Still. So every student who wanted to go to camp or on the missions trip, they went. And it's because someone gave $5 here, someone gave $500 and just began to pool money. That's the the power of being a part of something bigger than just just one person. It's so cool. And so here's what I was told about camp. 26 students decided to rededicate their lives to Jesus, meaning they had chosen to follow Jesus at some point in their life, and they're like, you know what? Kind of got sidetracked, you know, dated a crazy girl, whatever, and and just kind of like, and it became, I'm going to rededicate, I'm going to get back on track. We as adults know exactly what they're talking about. 26, and then 11 students, in addition to that, decided to follow Jesus for the very first time. So... So I went to the store that day after Katie and I gave, and I went and bought my own cookie dough at the grocery store. <laughs> so here's what I want to talk to you about, because there, there, there's an intentional segue. One, I wanted, you need to know, whatever church you're ever a part of, if you get offended because David talks about giving or money, that's fine. Go to some other church. But I'm going to tell you this, that, that you, you also should be able to trust your church, that, that when, you, when you are sacrificing, that it goes somewhere. And I just thought you, you should have an update of like, hey, you did this. Guess what? Changed lives forever. Yay. That's awesome. In the old days, uh, the priest would just burn your gift in front of you. And it just was like, Okay, uh, so, so that's, it's good that we've progressed, right? So here's the segue. So we as a church have been talking about, because it's easy to, like, to live life in a way that, because we have so many messages coming at us and so many demands pulling us. That it's like, what's life about? What should I be doing? How should I be doing it? And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a part of the church, and you, if you've grown up in a church, you've already recognized that different churches do it differently. And so you're thinking, like, what, what is the church? But even more so, like, what did Jesus say 
about what it's like to follow Jesus in and through the church. And what's cool about Jesus, he's like, I'll give you one sentence, right? I'll give you like just a sentence. If you do the sentence, then you're going to have a healthy church. You're going to be a healthy follower of Jesus. And all of eternity will be impacted by it. You'll live your purpose out. It's not that life will be easy. It'll be difficult. You'll have challenges. You'll have costs to it. But you'll wake up going, I know what today's about. And some of us, I think, are craving that, waking up going, I know what today's about. I want to do this. How do I lead my family? How do I date people? How do I go to work? How all that? So here's the sentence. If you've missed the whole series, you're like, man, you can go to the internet, catch up. But here's the sentence. Matthew 4, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon. This is Jesus who saw Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, and here's the sentence, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. This statement, boil down, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. See, many of us are like, well, I've heard that before. I, I've read that before. What I believe with all my heart was Jesus said that, yeah, to two dudes, but they were supposed to also take it, pass it on, pass it on, pass it on, so that no Christian anywhere would be confused about, what do I do? Because I think religion can get confusing. I also think it can be very disheartening if you get into the inner workings of religion going, this really doesn't seem to be what I think Jesus intended it to be. So this whole series has simply been, what does follow me look like? So we started off like, this is this posture. Follow me. Notice that Jesus doesn't start off going, hey, what do you guys want to do with the day? What are you in the mood for? He starts off going, what I'm about to say um, is going to be awesome and good and, and trying and fulfilling and good, right? But it starts with follow me. In other words, he was declaring the rest of your life, I'm inviting you into something that's all about God. The church for years has used the exalt God. If you want to know how to start your life out on purpose, it's this kind of a posture everywhere you go, literally everywhere you go, even in your thoughts. Can you exalt God? This is where some of us get lost. Because if you're a normal human being, you have days you're like, I don't want to make it about God. And this is the challenge. He says, follow me. And then he says, I will make you. In other words, you don't know what you need to know yet. You aren't who you need to be yet. So I'm going to shape you. And words we began to use uh, for centuries, disciple. I'm going to help you get to the potential that was planted in you. I'm going to help grow you. I'm going to help mature you. So that's why churches will often, I don't know if you've heard of this, you're better together, you need to be around other people. Uh, it's basically saying God wants to shape you and you need to know some things but also be around some people and do some things so that you are shaped. Follow me and I will make you and where we haven't gone yet, fishers of men. So uh, what that means is, I'll boil this down, but fishers of men evangelize the world. Uh, what Jesus was saying is, hey, it's exalt God, right? Do that. And then I'm going to shape you, but you are not to keep this to yourself. Now, evangelize the world. You know, um, perhaps I think maybe one of the number, I mean, top conversations I talk with people about why they don't really want to like, be a part of a church or anything has often been because churches get this one wrong. Like evangelize the world, like, okay. Let's go tell everybody that they're going to burn in hell and they'll love Jesus because of it. 
right? I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Maybe I'm not, but there's, and so I, I think we should start with, if, if you and I are going to exalt God with our lives and then edify the saints, in other words, we're going we're to be shaped and molded and we're going to grow, but then we're going to do something with that. We need to know some definitions because it's been misrepresented. Uh, here, so evangelism, let's talk a little bit about that. Comes from a root word, good announcement. Some of you are like, is there more? No, no, that's, that's really it. The good announcement, the bringing of good news. Evangelism is, I got good news and I would like to and I'm going to bring it to you. This, this has not been exclusive when, when you and I are thinking, oh, this is about Jesus. No, no this actually uh, goes before and, and after. Uh, if a king were sitting on his throne and his, uh, his army was somewhere else fighting, when the news would get back to the king that he was still king because they didn't lose, because that's how that worked. If they lost, he done, and he's got to run, right? When he would get news, he would, he would hear the good announcement, hey, we won, which means he's still king. So that's just some of it, but, but you're probably even more familiar with the term good news, the bringing of good news when it comes to Christmas. Who likes Christmas? Anyone like Christmas? Like you're like, I know you're supposed to be like, well, I'm in church, so I, I, yeah, I like Christmas. I mean, you know what I mean. You're like, you've been playing Christmas music all year long. So I got lots of opinion. Anyway, not, okay, stay sermon, sermon, sermon. Uh, so Christmas story. Let me just show you a little bit of the Christmas story. Uh, Luke 1:19. Uh, uh, then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. Now just stop for a second. I mean, Christmas has a lot of, subject matter there to talk about. And you may have heard of the angel Gabriel, but don't miss this powerful detail. What he's saying is you're like, what, you, you have been where? You do what? From the presence of God? It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. You, you've heard this before, like good news. It was normal terminology, like I'm bringing you good news. If you jump to Luke chapter two, this is what we make, or uh, this is what our kids get to read before they open up presents. Uh, Luke two, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. You're like, yes, I've heard this. That will bring great joy to all people. It was bringing good news to a group of people who were like, we got no joy. It's not good right now. And so they were like, tell us something good. And they were grateful for the good news. But it's not, not just in the Christmas story. In fact, uh, in the New Testament, it's, good news is mentioned over 90 times. Second Timothy is, is one place. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Now stop for a second. And I'm just going to give you my opinion. You can trash it if you'd like. This is not from the Bible. I'm just telling you. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. I think we currently live in a generation where we're ashamed. You're like, no, I'm not. I, no, no. You understand the word ashamed. When you're ashamed, when you're weighing the opinions of others, when you're weighing what you might lose, and so you don't say it. I think we live in a culture now that has such a loud voice where there's so much nasty going on. We're like, I'm just not going to say anything. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed for me of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Be ready to suffer 
good news. It's because everyone doesn't accept the good news and like the good news. And that following the way of Jesus, although it is full of freedom and amazing eternity, and all it's, just, it's awesome, there is a cost to it. And so you see like, hey, you will suffer for this, but don't let that stop you bringing this good news. So I'm a pastor's kid. Sorry. I'm a pastor's kid, which means I've always been in the church. Always. I recently told my dad, hey, when I went to college, I didn't go to church for three straight weeks. He was like, what? <laughs> Those are the conversations I have, right? That, just so you know. So I have always been in the church. And what I find fascinating is this, and maybe you, you don't need to nod, don't raise your hand. Don't. I'm amazed at the amount of followers of Jesus Christ who aren't quite sure what the good news is. And I remember being taught about the good news at our dinner table by my parents. I'm sure I was taught in church. I thought, well, then I want to be a kind of pastor who makes sure that everyone in our church actually knows what the good news is. A lot of us are like, oh, yeah, we got to tell good news. Let's do that. David, you, you go. David, you tell good news. No, this is for you and I to tell the good news. And so let's, 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 let's assume this. I'm going to assume this, that not a single one of us has ever heard of what the good news actually is. Okay, I'm going to assume this on you. I know some of you are like, oh, but just deal with it, okay? I'm gonna, here, let's pretend no one knows. What is the good news? And I'm giving you a quote from an old hymn. If you don't know what I mean by that, uh, in, in the old days, uh, there, there weren't projection screens and stuff like that. There were books and you would open up the book, and inside the book were the songs and the numbers and stuff. And if church was really good, what that really meant was not that the sermon was good, it's that you got to tell the, the singer what number song you wanted to sing. And that's like, man, church was amazing. We sang my song. Well, there's an old, 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 old hymn that says, The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Now stop, you gotta get this. I know it's not language that you and I use all the time. The vilest offender. Whatever you've ever done in your life, you know the, you know the dark stuff that you don't like, hey, hi, my name's David, it's the first time to meet you. Can I just tell you my, my deep, dark secret? Just right, no, no, this are the things that you don't, you don't typically say, hey, here's, here's everything. When you think of the vilest, the worst, whatever you've done that you've ever confessed or not, Whoever you were in, in last night, all the, the worst of the worst, the stuff that you and I might wrestle with, does this disqualify me? That stuff, the vilest offender. The worst of the worst. Who truly believes. That, that doesn't say who finally gets everything right. <laughs> the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. That's good news. That, that's amazing news. So maybe, because the Bible's a big book. Can we agree to that? It's a big book. Sometimes it's confusing. And you're like, I don't know what it just said and how that links to the... So if I were to take the Bible and compress it, 
and take uh, what, what authors have summarized it as and take scripture and, and just all press it into something that I, that I think is, is pretty, pretty understandable. What is the good news? And so I know, I know all of us know everything about this, but I thought, I, like, I don't know if anyone's ever shared with you the specific exact good news. So I'm going to read it to you. Uh, so class, listen. The good news, God is the creator of the earth and everything in it. He is perfect. He created man and woman in his image, and he created us to live in perfect harmony with each other and with him. Our original parents, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God and ushered sin into the world. Now stop for a second. It is very common nowadays to evaluate the fairness of God. You probably have done it. I've done it. Where something bad has happened to you or around you, and you're like, well, how do, why does God let bad things happen to good people? And you've wondered about, this doesn't seem fair. Well, in order to have a fair conversation about the fairness of God, you have to recognize that God made absolute perfect paradise. No problems. And it's Adam and Eve that unfairly treated him. And so it's all the times we don't think about how unfair we've been to God. We evaluate how God's been fair to us. And I think it's fair to look at the good news incorporates that, that maybe we're also guilty of not being fair. Our original parents, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God and ushered sin into the world. We have all also participated in this sin. And because of our sin, God can fairly and rightly deal with us by giving us his wrath, and forever separate us from him. Whatever your theology is, it needs to be that we don't deserve God. If you don't know your history, there was a time where God actually did wipe planet Earth because people were so bad. And that wrath was deserved. He chose not to close the book on us. Sorry, I have. I am well aware that I have given multiple opportunities to God to close the book on me. So it's hard for me to read it and be like, that's good news. He chose not to close the book on us. Instead, the Son of God entered in the world and took on flesh as Jesus Christ. He lived the perfect life we do not live and he died the death we deserve. He was dead in a tomb for three days, and on the third day, he resurrected from the dead, proving his sacrifice acceptable in the eyes of the Father. That's good news. Now listen. That's it. I know we as human beings love to add stuff, like, yeah, but what about, or how do we know people are being good and actually doing it? Okay, stop. We, we get overboard on this where we try to force people to accept that. That's not our job. I've never met a happily married couple that say, hey, how'd you guys meet? Well, he pretty much argued me into a relationship and I just decided, fine. <laughs> Apologetics are good, but more, more often for a Christian to actually know what you really believe. The good news is amazing 
Because if everything was fair, you and I would live our life, screw our life up, and we would just be separated from God forever, and that would be the fairest thing that he could ever do. But for some reason, because he loves us so stinking much, he's like, I'd like to intervene on your behalf. First John 4 uh, takes us back to scripture, gives us a summary of this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. If you never hear a single thing from me, I want you to know this. God loves you so much. He thinks you are amazing. Nothing more. I'm not going to try to convince you, but I do think this is a moment that I don't want to miss. Maybe no one ever explained to you the good news. Maybe you thought you were just kind of signing up for religion, maybe doing what grandma wants you to do. Maybe you thought it was about whether you feel guilty or good about the day. And I, I, If you believe what I read to you from the Bible, that summary, the good news, and you've never like said, God, I believe this, I want you in my life, I think we should have that moment right now. So let's just, would you bow your heads and close your eyes just to free you up from distraction? This is any and all locations. If you've never decided to follow Jesus, where you're like, I believe, I believe what David read, I believe that, then just privately tell him right now, God, I believe the good news. I believe that you showed up for me, you died for me, and you came back to life for me. God, I accept forgiveness of all of my sins. Thank you so much for paying for them. Lord, would you fill my soul? I commit to you. I'm going to live the rest of my life for you, God. Would you put people around me? Would you put a good church around me and help me grow in this? But I own it today. I believe it today. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, that's what we should be about. Yes, yes, there's a conversation for, yeah, but, 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 but I, I gotcha. But it's the good news. So let's go back to where we started. I think this is important. Exalt God, edify the saints, follow me, all this, this stuff, evangelize the world. Well, we just, some of you are like, yes, yes, we need this. Yeah. So we got to go share it. Mark 16 tells us what to do with this. And then he told them, go into all the world, not parts of the world, not the parts that you just like. Don't, don't just go to Jamaica for missions trips, which sounds amazing, by the way, but the, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. What do we do? We preach the good news, not just what we want or what culture thinks is relevant or our version of the Bible. No, we're like, here's the good news, what I shared with you, go tell that to who? To everyone. That means every corner of the world, anyone and everyone possible, from your next door neighbor to the kids in your own home to clear across the globe, we're supposed to go share this. If you don't, you're going to miss out on your purpose. I was thinking, how do we talk about evangelism as a church? Because some of us are like, you want to talk about evangelism? There's some crazy people out there saying some crazy stuff. If you've ever had someone shout at you, oh, I've had it many times. I've had people come to my door and they want to share the gospel with me. And they're like, do you know Jesus? I was like, I, I'm a pastor. 
And their response is, yeah, but do you know Jesus? I'm like, <laughs> and we, actually an argument started. I'm like, I don't think this is, I don't think this is the way to go. <laughs> and if you don't know what's happening nowadays, um, uh, studies have been done and, and you know, 95% of Christians say that a Christian should tell other people about their faith. 95% of Christians say that the greatest thing anything could ever happen to anyone is to know who Jesus is. I mean, those are good numbers. For those of us who went to school and didn't do so hot, 95%, I'll take it. <laughs> but what's interesting is if you get into the weeds of the details, do you know that fewer and fewer Christians are saying that we should share our faith? If you go to the elder generation or the greatest generation, you'll learn that, that um, less than 20% of them thought you should kind of just keep it to yourself. But that has been growing and growing and growing and growing. To the, the latest that I read is the millennials, 47% of millennials think you should never tell anyone about your faith who doesn't already believe what you believe. And I'm not hating on the millennials. I'm, I'm trying to show a trend. But there's a trend that we're backing away because we're afraid to offend. And I'm wondering, like, do, do you know what the good news is? Because it's not offensive. It's amazing. So the best way I could talk about evangelism, cinnamon rolls. Welcome to, welcome to David's church, okay? I'll just tell you, there's this, this cinnamon rolls. I mean, what if these were life-size? I've imagined this all day, like, like, like cinnamon rolls. So let's talk. I, who likes cinnamon rolls? Does anyone like cinnamon rolls? Okay, I just need to know. Okay, I'm with my people. Good. All right. So, so cinnamon rolls, I think, are, are absolutely amazing. I talk about donuts regularly, but it's because it's, it's hard to find a good cinnamon roll. So cinnamon rolls are amazing, but we're going to talk about why. Because if... If it's a cinnamon roll that's light, no. It needs to be like dense where you pick it up and you're like, is there metal in this? Is there, is there, what's, 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 I don't care what's inside it, just it's got to have some weight to it. You know what I'm talking about? Like weight, which means it's not dried out. That's another stipulation. Like if it's dried out, I mean, those are calories you should not take in. That's just like, <laughs> like nah, nah. Like dense to where it's almost tempting, like you want to just go push it. You know, and I know this is weird. You're like, you're weird. I know, I'm just talking. Like where it's, it's so like mushy looking, you just kind of, like almost where it's borderline undone, but it's done and you're like, uh, but, and then I don't know why bakers do this. Like they do all the work in making the roll and then they give you like a drip of icing. It's like, is that where the cost really is in the icing? <laughs> like load this bad boy up with some icing. Oh man, I... Uh, this morning, this morning I got this just small little cinnamon roll. I mean, if you could only smell it. Um, oh, man. Uh, sorry, that's, um, gotta remind myself, don't shake anyone's hand with his hand. Like, I wish you could have you ever had a, let me, are you Richard? I need your help. Real quick, just real quick. You don't have to come up here. I need you to take this cover off. This applies to, to east and downtown as well. There's cinnamon rolls. Now there's not enough for everyone, but I think if you'll hurry up, you can come get yourself a cinnamon roll. Like right now. East, do this, downtown one. 
Come, come get your Seminole. is good. So while they're getting these, you got to hear about this, uh, uh, made by a local company, the Bashful Bison. Uh, by the way, uh, they, no, they didn't give it to us for free. This comes out of my barbecue budget. Uh, so <laughs> Katie and I love you. I'm glad you're in, indulging. Uh, made the, they, they specialize in making like from local ingredients. So those of you who are like you're like, yeah, that's a big deal. Local ingredients, I, I don't care as long as it tastes good. Uh, but locally made and, and literally baked, like, like he started working on them last night kind of stuff, like, and like doing whatever you do. And, but they're, they're amazing. Now, again, while they're getting them, I want you to think about something. Just, I want you to keep me honest. <laughs> hey, take as many as you want. Just know there's a line. I mean, don't be that person. Just keep me, keep me honest on this. Did I make anyone come up here? Did I, did I argue, those of you who didn't, how horrible of a person you are, and now you're going to burn in hell? It, right? No, I, I'm pretty confident. I was very honest. I'm not lying. I love cinnamon rolls. I found a place that makes some pretty good cinnamon rolls. So I brought a cinnamon roll. I told you about cinnamon rolls and I offered you cinnamon rolls. Basic, right? That's evangelism. That's really, like, it's not about, did I convince, I mean, if you don't come up, I don't care, there's still some more, by the way, but hey, if you don't take them, I get them, it's fine, but there's more. That's the kind of evangelism that we as a church that say, let's be that kind of a church. You're good people. I want to be a part of Fountain Springs Church now more than ever because you like cinnamon rolls. <laughs> you know, we live in a time frame, right, where like chili, and then I learned when we moved to South Dakota that chili goes with cinnamon rolls. To me, I'm like, anything goes with cinnamon rolls. And chili, you know, being soup, chili soup, Write that down, chili soup, and then you put cinnamon rolls together. I'm so sorry. You didn't. Hey, you can split it, cut it, whoever you want. I know. I'm sorry. I. Hey, 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 So my dad, my dad taught me what I just shared with you. So parents, there you go. That's the reason you get cinnamon rolls. Here's my quote from my dad. Evangelism is living like Christ. Live in such a way that makes people hungry for who you have. We need to be this kind of people. This is what Jesus asked us to do. Come follow him. All right. He's going to shape us. Okay, we need to be. And then we need, we need to live this out in such a way that we're able to help others know the good news. So here's your question, church. Jesus said to share the good news. Am I doing that? That's a question you ask of yourself. Are you doing that? Or are you stopping at the edge? Where you, you were nice, that's cool. 
but you felt the Holy Spirit prompt you to say something, to bring something up. You felt the Holy Spirit teach you to, hey, I want you to forgive that person and go tell them that you've forgiven them and, and walk that out and know that the gospel was there. See, this is the kind of people we need to be. If you're not gonna be this kind of person, I do need to show you what even God's creation tells us. I've, I've shared this before, but if you go to the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea, uh, there's nothing uh, really alive in that thing, hence the name. Uh, it is so full of salt that it's even hard to walk out into it. You, like, you become a buoy. It's crazy. Uh, and you need to know why. Let me show you on the map. Uh, so you've got the Sea of Galilee. You learn a lot about Jesus' Sea of Galilee. If you ever go to Israel with me, I'll take you to all of these places. And so Sea of Galilee then trickles down to Jordan River and into the Dead Sea. And one thing you're going to learn about the Dead Sea is it would ha- why it's a little different is st- if it gets flown into, like the water goes into it, but water doesn't go out. And so because of that, like what comes in just kind of sits there. And now what's interesting about the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea is actually dying. I know that sounds, it's, it's going down a, a meter of water every year. And I think, I'm not, I can't prove it to you, okay? I wonder if God set that there here on planet Earth to show us what would happen if we refused to pour out. Most Christians lose their sense of purpose when they stop pouring out. You don't need another sermon to tell you something in a way that you've never heard it. You don't need something to all of a sudden just the clouds open up. Here's what most Christians need in their life right now. More pouring out. We need to, like, more of spreading the good news. I told a story over and over, but it, I think it fits here and it is, it's pertinent. There's a group of people every single year who meet together on the coastlines. And they meet together and they have potlucks, which, that sounds great. And then when they're done eating, they, they go visit lighthouses and, uh, and life-saving stations. The, the, the life-saving stations are where they would have boats that could go out. Uh, and they meet every year. There's an annual meeting. They have a website. They have a website. And on their website, here's their mission statement, um, dedicated to preserving our national life-saving treasures. Doesn't it sound neat? Like, oh, how special. Some of you are like, I want to sign up. I want to go see these things. You need to know this is not how they started preserving what used to be. I can tell you the history of this group, how they used to be the people that saved people's lives. And at some point, they stopped helping. And they simply began preserving. Do you know churches do this all the time? They stop pouring out, stop spreading the good news, and they just start preserving. They preserve what they bought for the church. They preserve their authority in the church. They preserve their music they like. They pres- you with me? And those churches die. Look at some of the statements from this group of people originally. You have to go out, but you don't have to come back. Some of you are like, oh. By the way, volunteer-driven, volunteer-fueled organization. This group precedes the Coast Guard, and it's the reason the Coast Guard has to exist, because this group quit. You have to go out, but you don't have to come back. In other words, 
You may die, but it's worth going out. The statement of the keeper that he did not try to use the boat, because we have excuses, because the sea or surf was too heavy, will not be accepted unless attempts to launch it were actually made and failed. How relevant is this for church? Where we're like, well, I can't, I can't say that because it's windy. Or I can't say that because they might get offended. I can't say that because... And you begin to come up with reasons. I love how they're like, uh, no excuses here. I think it's powerful. So look at, uh, look at what Jesus taught us. And the word became flesh, the word being Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the Father. And listen, how did he do this? Full of grace and truth. What I can tell you is I think our error, as in the capital C church, global church, in evangelism has been when we've chosen only grace or only truth. And Jesus gives us an example. He's like, you want to know how to spread the news? Bring truth. There's the truth. I, I read to you the truth. I've shown you the truth. There is, that truth doesn't change, but there's got to be grace to it, right? And you and I, I don't want to be a part of a church who is cool with just like having these moments, exalt God, which is awesome. Shape me, God. Tell me about my personality. Mold me. I want to be a part of a church that also gets up and says, who else needs to know? I want to be a part of a church where I never have to get up and say, hey, so we're deficient here with volunteers, or hey, what do you think about that? Maybe, would you consider? Let's do this. So here, I, as, a, as a preacher, I came up with some eyes. Here we go. Start inviting, begin investing, get involved. If you're like, what do I do with this? All right, I, you know, you know, I praise God, got that. I'm letting him shape me, cool. So what do I do with this? Start inviting, and yeah, yeah sure, invite him to church. It's actually in the Bible. It's come and see, come and see. But, but invite people to coffee. Invite them into your home for dinner. Invite them to cinnamon rolls, right? Whatever you want to do. Like, invite people. Invite people. Like, like maybe, maybe your new thing is when you, when you go to church, you're going to find someone and say, hey, hey, do you want to go out for brunch or dinner or whatever time it is? Like, hey, you start inviting people into your life and then begin investing in them. Invest in people around you. If you're a parent, you're like, what's my role? Invest in your kids. Don't just take them to sport. Invest in their souls. It also does mean time, your talent, and your treasure. Give. Wherever the gospel is being sent out, give to whoever's sending it out. And get stinking involved. Now, my favorite thing that we say as a church, like spur us on, run from zero. You're like, well, how much do I do? Just if you're, if you're doing zero involvement, zero serving, zero in investment, zero, just don't do zero. If you want some marriage advice, look at what you're doing zero for your spouse and be like, maybe step into that a little bit and do a little more than zero. With God, run from zero. Evaluate your life. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Run from zero. And we pray for us. Heavenly Father, thanks for meeting with us. 
God, we owe everything good that we have ever experienced, seen, witnessed, tasted, anything good comes from you. God, thank you for the good news. Thank you for saving our souls. God, for those who prayed that prayer today, maybe for the first time or the hundredth time, God, would you surround them with good godly people, good healthy church? Would you spur them to get involved in ways where they begin to grow? And God, for those of us who have decided to follow you a long time ago, God, would you spark us to pour out, pour out. Use us, Lord, for your glory and for your purposes. I pray this in your name. Amen.